Welcome to uh, Patriots Podium, a regular podcast by the New York State Conservative Party. I'm Jerry Kassar, the party state chairman. This week's podcast will be a little different from our previous podcasts. We will have back-to-back interviews on the New York State Legislature. The first will be with the party's former longtime executive director, Sean Murray. Sean took the lead in preparing our ratings uh, of the 213 state legislators, as she has for many, many, many years. I think the process as well as the outcome would be of interest to you. We will then be joined by Assemblyman Matt Slater, who represents part of Westchester and Putnam County, counties in New York. Matt is the former uh, Yorktown town supervisor, and prior to that, he served as a chief of staff in the state Senate. Matt is endorsed by the Republic, is a, an endorsed Republican conservative member of the state assembly. I've asked him to speak uh, on the issue of... Uh, of issues that would have been um, of great interest to the conservative and Republican movement in terms of rating the legislature if the Democratic-controlled legislature would actually allow votes on these issues to ever come to the floor. Let me uh, first welcome Sean. Sean remains the executive vice uh, chairwoman of the uh, state conservative party, uh, having uh, served myself and Mike Long for many years as our executive director. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. Uh, long overdue. And I must say, you never, all the years you were playing the role as executive director, you never never got the credit you deserved. Uh, so could you just sort of outline the process for putting together the ratings from the memos to the, uh, to the legislators on conservative party issues uh, during a legislative session to selecting bills? the final determination of bills to be used, and who approves the final set? Okay. In the beginning in the beginning of the year, the legislators get a legislative platform, which tells them this is an open book test, okay? They have all the answers right in there. As we go through the year, when bills come up that we either support or oppose, we will do a legislative memo on it. It will also be listed on our website, cpnys.org. At that time, we follow it as closely as we can. When it comes down to doing the ratings, what I have done in the past is print out every short title of every bill that has passed both houses, the Senate and the Assembly, and I go through them. The institutional knowledge that you have as you're going through them, you just automatically click on certain bills that you know are in our platform, and that's what we go use to rate. After we, I narrow it down, we have a state executive committee mem, uh, meeting, which consists of 53 different members. Um, I present the bills, or I have presented them in the past, present the bills, we discuss them, we use them, we don't use them, and that's how we get to the ratings. They vote on it, and that's essentially the process. I mean, if I recall correctly, uh, well, first let me ask you this. Uh, um how many bills did uh, do we normally use? We usually use around 20 to 25, depending on the year, all right? Uh, in the past, we've done one house bills. We would do 20 both house bills and then five from each house. But since the Democrats have taken over the Senate and everything, we've narrowed it down to just 25 bills that pass both houses. And if I recall correctly, you... Uh present to us well over 100 bills to look at. Am I correct on that? Practically, yeah. I would say easily that much. Yeah, yeah. 
So what happens to a person, uh, to a legislator who misses a vote? Sometimes they have like military duty. I know there was a case this year where the, the member's wife was uh, gave, gave birth on on the day when a number of bills came up. Uh, what happened? But then a lot of times they just they're excused or absent. How do you handle those situations? If they're not present for the vote, they get a negative vote. They get zero points. All right. Uh, in the past, there were far too many of them that would just walk out on a certain bill and didn't want to be recorded. And that wasn't fair. It wasn't right. So it was decided that if you're not there, you don't get the vote. The exception is if if the legislator honestly feels that they would have voted a particular way, they could write their constituents and explain why they were not there and how they would have voted. But it wouldn't be recorded in the ratings. And of course, if a, but what if a member is elected midterm, you know, special election, the elections in late February, uh, you don't look, you don't list them as absent. As no, listing. we do a prorated number for them. That's what I th- would have thought. Okay. So let me ask you this. How would you, uh, well, what were some of the highlighted bills this year? Just so uh, the audience knows, I'm going to, I think we need to direct everybody at some point during this show to where they can find our ratings, which are very in the very much in the public venue. But could you give us some idea of some of the highlighted bills? Well, I think two of the most egregious as far as we're concerned as a party and as far as people should be concerned would be the Kavanaugh bill that required same day registration. And the other one that uh, violates the public intent to show, uh, to allow for mail and voting. The voters of the state of New York overwhelmingly rejected these two bills, and yet the Senate went ahead, or the houses, both houses went ahead and passed them. It's like a slap in the face to the people of New York, and they should know it. I mean, there's other egregious bills, uh, the Equality Act, uh, the bill that, that gives courts and physicians the right to change a child's sex without their parents knowing. But not to be discouraged, we also do ones that we support. The bill uh, to establish a state, New York State Organized Retail Crime Task Force. That's something that we obviously support because of the loss in revenue to businesses, and that ultimately helps hurts people who are buying items. And, uh, and it, just as a reminder to the audience, who I suspect anyone who's watching the show knows this, these bills are passed by overwhelming Democratic majorities in both houses. I mean, it's, it's not 100 percent, but in almost every case, the Republicans as a group voted no. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> How would you describe the outcome of this year's ratings, Republicans versus Democrats? Well, the Democrats obviously won and they won handily. All right. They, they don't listen to the people. They don't no, no, listen. I mean, the ratings. I'm talking about the ratings of Democrats versus Republicans in the state legislature. How would you describe the outcome of this year's legislative ratings? Uh, well, the Republicans schedule got around 90 percent. Right. Democrats got about 30 percent, a little bit less, mostly less. So in the end, these uh, without, you know, I know there are exceptions in here, but if, you know, the exception not being the rule, uh, the Republicans, and I think this has been consistent for decades now, Republicans essentially are two or three times more conservative from a statistical rating perspective on these on this these documents than the Democrats are. I mean, probably about three times more conservative. 
Absolutely. If you want to play it that way. Yeah. Absolutely. They, they the, the Republicans are more attuned to the needs of the people as far as spending, as far as crime, and as far as any other issue that we might talk about. It affects each and every one of us. Well, Sean, do you have any uh, final thoughts? No, uh, I think that everybody should look at them. I think they should read them, try to understand them. Uh, they're at cpnys.org. You can pull them down on the legislative ratings where it says up on top more. All right. Um, and talk to your legislator because it's not going to change unless we can change the legislature itself. And as, so I did, you know, I do want to just add, and that Sean just brought it up, but the State Conservative Party recognizes that legislators with the at the with the top ratings, we recognize them at our annual legislative reception, which is held in Albany at the downtown Hilton on the evening of uh, February 5th. So I think the highest numbers this year were like uh, 96 percent in the assembly and uh, mm-hmm. close to that, if not exactly that, in the state Senate. And those top, the people who have the top rating are going to be recognized Although I can tell you that uh, the room will have a lot of very highly rated legislators. Uh, yeah, I think the highest in the Senate was 92, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they're close. They're close. Yeah. So thank you, Sean, for all you do. And these ratings reflect a big effort. And I, I know the party uh, greatly uh, appreciates it. Thank you. I do thank have you. Assembly, Assemblyman Matt Slater. I'd like to bring him on the show. And I, he has... Uh, very high rating, but he's really unique in a in a different sense, and I want to go I want to go through that. Uh, so we are joined by Matt. Hey, th- thank you for coming on the show, Matt. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Matt had one of the higher conservative party ratings, but he, like many Republican members, cannot be fully assessed based on the ratings. The reason is simply uh, great ideas by Republicans never see the light of the day on the floor of the Assembly or Senate blocked by heavy partisan politics and a hypocritical view of the state's multi-party system by the Democrats, or the simple fact that almost 50% of the state's population voted conservative Republican, they want to ignore. So you could have uh, Republican legislators like Matt coming up with great ideas to come in the form of legislation that simply because they're proposed by Republicans are ignored by the Democratic majorities despite the fact, as I'm indicating, half the people of the state vote Republican. Uh, Shockingly, I think, but Lee Zeldin got 47% of the vote, as an example. So, uh, Matt, first, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing good, Mr. Chairman. And speaking of Lee Zeldin, I uh, had a great event last night uh, here in Westchester County that he uh, headlined. And, you know, we had a packed room. We had a great uh, uh, coalition of people from uh, business leaders to uh, Second Amendment patriots to labor leaders and everyone, I think, completely understands the the hurdles that we're facing as a state. And I think they also completely understand uh, why uh, Lee Zeldin should be the governor of New York State right now in the different direction we'd be heading in. And so uh, it was a great, great event. Uh, I, it was uh, fantastic to hear Lee and, and his thoughts on the direction the state's going in. Um, but there was a lot of energy, uh, a lot of hope. And I think that people really understand and they're and they're seeing firsthand uh, what happens when you have one party rule from the top down uh, in Albany, as you just said, and uh, the political games that get played, uh, stopping common sense legislation from even reaching the floor just because a Republican uh, has introduced the bill is exactly the stuff that we're we're fighting against. 
Um, but you know, again, we're, we're, we're still fighting and we're fighting every single day, waking up in the morning, eating our Wheaties and we're going to war. And, and we do that because we believe in the state and we want to make sure that we're protecting the state. And we want to make sure that we save our state, uh, from falling off the cliff that the progressives are pushing us to. Well, let me get right into it. Uh, You know, I sometimes describe what is happening in Albany to our side of thinking as what could have been if we were controlling a part of the legislature or simply more respected for our policy initiatives by the uh, by the Democrats. Um, what's your view of this whole concept of what could have been? You are a prime example of bills that are different that we would have wanted. Could you give me? Uh, could you give us some additional uh, thoughts on what could well, have been if we just look, the just look at the financial state that we're in? You know, yeah. since uh, one party rule has has taken over the Capitol. They've increased spending by $60 billion. And I'll say it again, $60 billion with a B. Uh, and that's because when we lost the Republican Senate, which was it, which we held the majority for, we lost that firewall. And so they've gone on in, in this ridiculous spending spree. And as a result, we're now facing a catastrophic uh, budget deficit. We have the first year, we're walking in this year with anywhere from a, a 4 to $10 billion budget deficit. And that's supposed to grow up to $36 billion budget deficit over the next three years. And let's face it, the only solution Democrats have is taxes. And it's not because they uh, have to, it's because they want to. And it's the only thing that they can think of to fix their out of control spending. So I think that's the most blatant um, example of what happens when you have one party rule um, that the Democrats currently have and what happens when Republicans lose their foothold and and that firewall. Uh, We know that New York state is facing an affordability crisis. That's one of the top, if not the top thing that I hear about every single day from whether you're a young family, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a senior, people are leaving this state in droves. They're voting with their feet. We lead the nation in outward migration uh, because people simply can't afford to be here. And that's a direct result uh, of one party rule that the Democrats currently hold uh, up in Albany. But, you know, we still are trying to come up with the right uh, policies and the right solutions for the issues that we're facing, both as a state and as a country. Um, Obviously, the out of control uh, southern border uh, is a major, major concern. Um, you know, I think poll after poll these days show New Yorkers recognize the migrant crisis is having a negative impact on their lives. Uh, and they don't even know the true cost of that, by the way. Um, we had a brief this week uh, and Medicaid, which is almost 50% of the entire state budget at this point, they can't even tell us how many migrants have gone on to the Medicaid program, which is taxpayer funded. So we really don't know the true impact yet. We're not going to know it for a while. Uh, and so we really need to come up with some good solutions. Now, I've introduced legislation A53, uh, excuse me, A50, uh, A7319, excuse me. Uh, and that, listen, I, I obviously the number one objective needs to be to close the border uh, and actually enforce our laws because illegal immigration is illegal. Um, but the state can only do so much. It's a federal issue. Uh, And one of the things that I found most egregious that uh, my congressman, Mike Lawler, informed me of uh, was that they were handing out uh, uh, court appearances for those crossing the border that are 10 years away. Well, if you don't know who these people are, how are you going to find them and bring them back to court? Uh, It's a joke. Uh, And so the bill that I put in, like, again, 7319, uh, that legislation would require the state to fingerprint, to do background checks uh, and to track the people who are coming here through the migrant crisis so that A, they don't fall victim uh, to a broken immigration system on the federal level, but B, we have a right to know who's in our backyard. And we've seen too many incidents already uh, of crime being committed. We had 
Uh, one individual down in New York City, I think he was arrested 14 times because of cashless bail. They kept spitting him back out onto the streets. Uh, and so we really need to know who is in our backyard. We need to make sure that we're keeping our community safe. I think that is our right as taxpayers and right as an American. And that's one of the pieces of legislation that I would hope, uh, again, that the Democrats would allow on the floor, but they're of course not going to do that because it doesn't fit their political motives. And so uh, that's one of the issues that we've been fighting very, very hard on. Let me ask you this. And you obviously, you've been outspoken on immigration. You spoke about a few other uh, key issues there, some of which we've issued memos on. One area that I know we issued a memo on uh, is the purchasing of agriculture and rural acreage by the communist Chinese government often in proximity to important U.S. military or national security installations. We came out very strongly for this bill. Um, and then I noticed all of a sudden a weaker version pops up from the Democrats who don't actually move that version anyways. But your bill sits there. And many other states, even with Democratic-controlled legislatures, adopted the exact same language of your bill. So yep. what's, this, what's that all about? Uh, I mean, first off, I think we have to take a hard look uh, at what is happening in other states. Uh, we've had some very serious issues out in California, Oklahoma, uh, and they all center around the, the communist uh, Chinese, party, Chinese party. And if you look at what we allow in New York State, there is no prohibition on any country of foreign concern from purchasing and owning property here in New York State. I just can't, that's just common sense to me that we put something in place to stop that from happening. You know, we had an incident uh, where you had uh, the CCP, they found their, a, a police headquarters in New York City, a CCP police headquarters. What are we doing? And so, yes, we have this legislation that is in A5301, uh, worked on with Gordon Chang, uh, who is an expert in this particular uh, field. And one of the things that we've seen, again, out in Oklahoma, when it comes to agricultural land. They've taken that land, they're purchasing that land, and they're either letting it just die and no farm, no food, right? Or they're using it to fuel their drug trade and they're using it to, to grow uh, marijuana and, and they're also using it for human, uh, human trafficking. And so the problem that you see is they're building these fences around these pieces of, part of property and it's not to keep people out, it's to keep people in who they are abducting and they're putting into their human trafficking schemes. And so there's a lot of problems that um, we are finding across the country. And if New York State wants to be a leader uh, on, on really important issues like this one, this is, again, just a common sense piece of legislation. And, you, and as you alluded to, Mr. Chairman, uh, there was a Dem there is a Democrat who put in a watered down version of this. And as you said earlier, you were, you were alluding to this. Unfortunately, since we are, again, uh, are in a one party controlled environment, you'll see a lot of that happening where they actually, some of them actually say, hey, that's actually a pretty smart idea. And they actually take your bill as a Republican and they'll reintroduce it, changing a few words here or there or water it down slightly uh, and try to take credit for it on their own. Um, that's an unfortunate game that gets played constantly. Um, I can think of at least three bills of mine that that's happened to. Um, uh, but, you know, at the same time, uh, at least that we're getting some type of uh, traction uh, for Democrats to recognize the fact that this is an important issue. Uh, we have to stop the CCP. They are our greatest enemy, uh, our greatest threat. Uh, and for the fact that they may even be owning property in the Empire State, I think it's just patently wrong and patently un-American. Well, thank you. So I guess in a sense, uh, stealing your bills, uh, you wouldn't consider flattering. 
<laughs> I'd rather just have him be passed they they it that badly. <laughs> and they just let him die on their own in their own quarters. So you're look, you're a young guy in the government and politics. You've seen a great deal. Uh, I mean, you were a senior majority staffer in the Senate. You were a town supervisor of Yorktown, which is a very which is a very large Westchester community, and currently as an assemblyman representing two counties. And you're not even forty, I believe. Uh, your thoughts on this? Uh, your thoughts on this governor and the direction of New York State? Uh, I give it F's across the board. Um, I just think that uh, the direction that we're going in is—you is, see it in the polling, the public polling that comes out every week. Uh, New Yorkers are re- recognizing, and I and I give Lee Zeldin a ton of credit for for this because he's the one I think who really shined the light and had the courage to bring a lot of these issues forward, but New Yorkers are recognizing the direction we're going in is wrong. Again, affordability crisis is on everyone's mind. Crime is on everyone's mind. If, if you look at the approval numbers uh, of the governor, they're upside down. And so I think New Yorkers are rejecting the direction that we're going in because they know it's unsustainable. Um, and I can tell you, they don't even know half the things that they're trying to get done. Uh, and one of the things that, you know, we're still waiting on right now is the even your election bill that's sitting on the gov that the, we're waiting to see what the governor is going to do with, which, you know, would it really in a lot of places, uh, would I, I think, uh, wash out the Republican and conservative movement, um, just because of the numbers. And, and honestly, the other side of it is it drowns out any local issues during our, our, our elections, which yeah. as a former town supervisor, uh, I believe local issues matter and they deserve their own time and their own debate and their own attention. And and so very, very different than state and national issues. Um, but I just think that the governor, you know, really has not figured her way out um, through the position that she's had, that she has. I think if we had Lee Zeldin as our governor, um, we would be in a much better position. We just once again uh, got rated the least free state in the United States of America. And anyone who pays attention to what we're dealing with on a daily basis, it's no surprise uh, they, you know, we have a we have a governor right now uh, who's in favor of quarantine camps. We have a governor right now who wants to stomp all over the Constitution and our Second Amendment rights. We have a governor right now who wants to take away uh, parental control and parental decision making. I mean, that is fundamentally wrong, uh, and that's the direction we're heading in. And and we really have to make sure that come next year uh, that we're ready to win more seats in the legislature and finally reinstall that firewall uh, to protect New Yorkers and change the course that we're going in. Well, Matt, uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Uh, Thank you for your excellent uh, voting record and for all the ideas you bring to the uh, floor of the legislature or to the legislative body. And uh, also, let me thank you for your service as a member of the Naval Reserves. Uh, Do you have any final words for our viewers? You know, I would say keep the faith. Uh, You have a lot of gladiators who are stepping into the arena every single day. Uh, as I said earlier, we wake up in the morning, we eat our Wheaties and we go fight for you. And so I do think that a lot of New Yorkers are finally waking up to the fact uh, that we need a change in direction, um, that we need better leaders. We need more principled leaders. Uh, and I think that's why you're seeing Republicans and conservatives make inroads in, in non-traditional areas. And I think that's going to continue. Uh, but we have to work together. We have to stay uh, uh, close as a cohesive unit. Um, and I think that the best days are still ahead of us, not behind us. And I do truly believe that we need to keep the faith uh, and we can still save our state. Well, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Um, This has been an edition of uh, Patriots Podium. I want to thank Andrew and Katie for what they do to make this show happen. And it is an effort. I kind of jump in at the last minute, but they're making a big effort to keep this show going. And this is like the uh, 
14th or 15th episode. We've been running them every two weeks. So we've been kind of been doing them really all year and uh, we can want to continue. We've seen our audience grow. I mean, it's available. All the shows are available on our YouTube uh, through YouTube and you can access them easily on our website. And our website is uh, cpnys.org, cpnys.org. And you can find this there. You can find our legislative ratings. You can find our legislative platform. Um, I'd like to say, suggest that the party um, is an open book. Uh, and we are very, uh, very much interested in people looking to see what we have to say. And uh, we think many people will agree with us. So thank you all. And uh, till the next episode. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.